Talk Radio for inquisitive people. Solace Radio, Bonavista, Colorado. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited about uh, finishing this message up. There is uh, there is so much uh, in this message that, you know, I can't get There's no way you can get it in in two one-hour sessions. And so uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, I didn't mention it last week because I was so excited to get to the message. And, of course, everybody said, why didn't you tell us about the book table? Uh, Mercy and Judgment. How many of you enjoyed that message last week? Amen. It's an eye-opener, isn't it? I think, you know, you can hear God speaking to us first person when he speaks like he spoke last week. And I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, and if, and well, unless you're dead from the neck up. And then, um, and, and what I'm going to be doing today, what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to be talking about, uh, primarily the third seal of the apocalypse, um, uh, the, the charge of the four horsemen. Uh, that is the seal. That's the black horse. And you'll see that. As we move along, there's also some of the real estate markets in the last days. How many of you remember when I did that in the September of uh, 2004? How many of you were in that class? You remember that? Is everything that I talked about then coming to pass now in the real estate market? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I said, you don't have to be prophetic. You can be pathetic and understand that when you have a dishonest way to measure system, there ultimately is a debt bubble that forces prices high. But that bubble always, everybody say always, always pops and prices collapse. And that's what's happening in real estate right now. And we're just seeing the beginnings of it, folks. It's long from over. Hallelujah. Some of you took my advice and you love me. Some of you took my advice and some of you are upset with me. But it's not me. I'm not your problem. you got to get with God on that one. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, then there's end time prophecy and the global economy. How many of you know when you read scripture, scripture concerning the last days is going to happen no matter what you do. Is that right? No matter how many times you pray the prayer of Jabez, no matter how much money you give in the offering, it's not going to affect events in the Logos, the, Torah, the, the word of God, the written word. And so this one actually shows us how to look at the word and understand what's coming financially so we can prepare for it. Um, Jezebel in the marketplace. How many of you get, have you seen that one? Boy, I'll tell you, if you want to know about the spiritual dynamics behind the Baal and Asherah worship in every area of the marketplace, and that includes even the architecture of the world, and I focus primarily on America, but this is true around the world, uh, this is the one to get. And Baal and Asherah, remember the prophets of Baal and Asherah? The prophets of Baal and Asherah ate at whose table? Jezebel's table. That's right. Jezebel is the queen of the cosmos. And what that particular teaching does is it lets you peer into it and it exposes her for who she is. It's the spirit behind the woman on the beast. And if you can understand that, you can really come out and get set free and throw her from the balcony of your life in this area. And then last but not least is understanding God's judgments. I think some of you learned some things about God's judgments last week, but this is a this is actually a two-tape two, uh, two, uh, uh, teaching that we kind of put together, and it was right after the tsunami uh, over in uh, Asia, and I kind of uh, tied that into some of the pagan feasts and so on and so forth. And it's really a blessing. And these, this is the, this is the essence of what I'm going to be ministering from, uh, last week and then also, uh, this week. Praise the Lord. 
Are you ready? Seat backs and tray tables in their full upright and locked position. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your prophetic word that is made more sure and which we do well to pay attention as a light shining in a dark place. And Lord, we know that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus and he is the beginning and the ending. So the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of God from beginning to ending. And Lord, we just ask for a special prophetic anointing here, the the, 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 the forerunner ministry and anointing of Elijah to not only show us what has been going on and what is going on now, or, and, but also what is coming in the future, Lord God. And Lord, write your Torah on our hearts and our minds in a new way that we would come out of her, that Babylon, that Egypt of old, and that we would come away and walk according to the ancient paths of your Torah. We bless you, Lord God, because we want to find rest for our souls. We thank you for it now. We love you for it. In Yeshua's mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Last week, just a real quick uh, review. Last week, we learned that God uses mercy and judgment to discipline peoples and nations. We learned that the 9-11 attack on the World Trade Center was a judgment of God on America. We learned that Hurricane Katrina was the next major judgment that came. We learned that illegal immigration is the current judgment on America. And we learned that what was the trigger for all of these? Israel. Actually, it was America's policies regarding the promised land of Israel. As we transgress the promised land policies or promises of God, guess what? God is going to allow certain things to come back on those who will curse Israel. And when we go against what God has written regarding the promised land and and his ancient Jewish people, you must understand that that same curse is going to come back up on whoever. And the United States is not excluded from that. Amen? Hallelujah. We also learned that Israel is God's standard for why and how he judges the nations. We learned that in 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul says, go back and look at Israel. Because although they came out from uh, Egypt under the blood of the Passover lamb, how many of you know we're coming into Passover? This is my Passover message. Are you ready? Hallelujah. This is a Passover message, and you'll see why as, as we move into it. Yet he was displeased with them, and it gives three specific examples of what they did in the wilderness to sin against him, and three specific judgments that came on Israel. And Paul says, go back and look at Israel, because everything that happened to them is for who? It was written down for us on whom the ends of the age have come. And we must understand what he was saying was, just as I dealt with my people Israel, I'm going to deal with my people Israel today. How many of you understand the church is Israel? The church of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, that is Israel and it's the church of the wilderness. It's a mixed multitude. Amen? The Gentiles have been saved. They've been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. Hallelujah. One and the same. We learned that, and so we took that, and we, and we took that, that, that understanding of going back and looking at Israel on how God does this, and we tied it into Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 8 that says this, The Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn or granite stones, quarried stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with better 
that cedars, it means a better type of wood, a better type of, of tree. Israel, when Israel was judged by God, Israel did not repent, but they said, we will rebuild. No matter what God throws at us or anybody throws at us, we will rebuild. It was an arrogance and it was a pride. We also learned that this message, although it was for Jacob, it was specifically to Israel. And we understand that Ephraim, or I mean Ephraim, it was specifically to Ephraim. And Ephraim is, is a, is a, represents Gentile believers who believe in Yahweh. Ephraim and Manasseh were, remember their, her, their, their mother was an Egyptian. Is that right? And that, and, and, and through the mother, it's pretty much based, bases for what you are, whether Jew or Gentile. And therefore, they were considered Gentiles. But guess what? They believed in Yahweh and they were adopted into the commonwealth of Israel. Is that right? And they became part of the commonwealth of Israel. Well, today, Ephraim or Ephraim has been throughout history a metaphor, a symbol, a metaphoric symbol of Gentile nations that come to Yahweh. And today... I would say what we discovered was that the United States of America is probably the most, uh, uh, the best representation uh, symbolizing Ephraim today. I'm not talking about genetically. We're talking about metaphorically. A Gentile nation that believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we metaphorically, we applied Isaiah 9 to 9-11 and the other judgments that we talked about last week. September 11th, we had a... Terrorist attack. Everybody knows that. And here's a picture of the South Tower. And we can see here that this is a fulfillment of verse 10. The bricks have fallen down. And you must understand, in New York City, the unbelievers and, 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 and those who didn't repent actually took this passage of Scripture and used it all the time. The bricks have fallen down. We also saw, here's another overhead, there was a place called St. Paul's Chapel about a block and a half away just across the street, and we learned that St. Paul's Chapel was the oldest building in downtown Manhattan, built in, completed in 1766. George Washington prayed there on Inauguration Day. Leaders attended their regular service for the two years that New York served as the capital, because New York was the capital two years before it moved to Washington, D.C., and we learned that it was the political and spiritual center, or our spiritual and political roots were based right there at St. Paul's Church, or St. Paul's Chapel. And so this plane comes flying in, hits the South Tower. A piece of debris, a big beam, flies out, goes into, flies out into the backyard of St. Paul's Chapel, hits a, hits a tree, and here's a, another little picture of it. It flies out, lands in the backyard, bounces on the ground, flies up, hits a tree, knocks the tree over, pulls it out by its root, but that tree actually saves St. Paul's Chapel. Guess what kind of tree that was? That's right, it was a sycamore tree. This was called the Miracle of 9-11, and it hit a sycamore tree. Well, the sycamores are cut down. That's right. The bricks have fallen, and the sycamores are cut down. How many of you were not here last week? Okay, only, well, there's a few of you. I'm, I'm glad we did this little bit of review. Um, America has responded the same way Israel responded. President Bush says, as a symbol of America's resolve, my administration will work with Congress and these two leaders to show that the world, to show to the world that we will rebuild New York. Mm. At every 9-11 ceremony, our leaders say in pride, we will rebuild. July 4th, they laid 
a cornerstone at ground zero. 20-ton hewn granite quarry stone from upstate New York. They called it the Freedom Stone, and they said, we will rebuild. This was 56 days before Hurricane Katrina hit. September 11, 2005, 13 days after Katrina hit, they dedicated the Trinity Roots. Remember that sycamore tree that got knocked down in the back of St. Saint, uh, Saint Paul's Chapel? Yeah, they took the root and bronzed it. Leader said, we will rebuild. Do you remember what bronze was? Bronze was the Medal of Judgment. Is that right? Oh, man. We must understand that they're going the wrong direction. Instead of saying, we will rebuild, they need to say, we repent. But in their rebuilding, and all of this symbology is not by happenstance. It's the same thing that happened to ancient Israel, Ephraim in, in specific, is happening in America today. Judeo-Christian America. God help us. The Trinity Root was dedicated just 13 days after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. The statue was placed outside Trinity Church on the corner of Wall Street and Broadway. There's St. Paul's Chapel, the center or the uh, site of our political and spiritual roots. And right there is Wall Street and Broadway, the site of our financial roots. It all started on Wall Street. The financial system that we have today started on Wall Street. Here's a picture of Wall Street. Nineteen, or excuse me, in 1791, a group of New York stock traders began brokering stock on a bench under guess what kind of tree? A sycamore tree. And this is just if you if you've been in finance of any kind and studied Wall Street, which is usually there's some sort of a course or some sort of just a section where you study a little bit on Wall Street. This is common knowledge to most of your financial planners who study anything about Wall Street that the trading started on Wall Street under a sycamore tree on a bench. That's where we get the term benchmark. That's where they strike the benchmark price and everything trades off of that for the day. In 1792, 24 stock traders signed the Butts and Woods Agreement, which initiated the New York Stock Exchange, and they met and signed the agreement under a sycamore tree. So now let's look at the future of U.S. markets. We've got the bronze sycamore root of 9-11 that represents judgment. How many, how many of you do understand this represents judgment? It doesn't, it's not a good thing. And you've got the corner of Wall Street and Broadway. When you add those two together, what do you get? You get the judgment of Wall Street. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Amen? Like I say, you don't even have to be prophetic to understand this. Just as God judged Egypt's bull. Here's a picture of the golden bull. They call it the golden calf, and it's referred to as the golden calf, but it's actually a bull because calves don't have horns. And this is and this is a replication of that particular bull out of out of Egypt. Just as God is going to judge, just as God did judge Egypt's bull, um, God is going to judge America's bull. How many of you know on Wall Street? You go down there. There's this big old bronze bull, and people go up to it and they. They kiss its nose. You can look and see. Well, it's not very good on this picture, but if you see it and they and they kind of rub it like that, and the nose from like like from the eyes down to the snout, it's all polished because people hug it and rub it and you know kiss it for good luck and so on and so forth. And just as sure as I am standing here, just as God judged Egypt's bull, He's going to judge America's bull on Wall Street, and that's no bull. I had to say that. <laughs> Can we have fun? Aren't you glad I'm not religious? Hallelujah. God's not religious. God is real. 
And he wants to minister to us where we're at. He wants to speak to us about what's to come. How many of you know the prophetic word is not some hocus-pocus thing where, where people try to prophesy things that might come to pass? He's given us his word and he says, just go read it and study it because everything that has happened in the past is going to happen again. All the principles that, 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 that work this way in the past, they, they don't change. They're going to work this way in the future. And you can adjust and you can live your lives based on my word because it doesn't change. We don't have to go to the horoscopes. We don't have to go to the card readers. We don't have to go to the palm readers. Amen? I really blow their minds when they say, Mr., can I read your palm? I say, sure, give it your best shot. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> How many of you still love me? Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, so the question is now, how will God judge Wall Street? Good question. I'm so glad you asked. The bricks have fallen down. Uh, this could refer to an actual terrorist attack where bricks are actually falling down, just like the World Trade Center. Okay? That can happen. It may happen. But I'm not here to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about the sycamores have fallen down, and I'm going to relate this and, and attach this to that there is a definitely a financial and economic crisis that is coming to Wall Street. You must hear this. This is the word of the Lord. There is no second guessing this. It is coming. And the shaking we had about a month ago or so now, three weeks to a month ago, um, in, in the markets around the world is a little bit of a taste of what's coming in the future. Judgment cannot come without a reason. Remember that? See, God can't just bring judgment on Wall Street because he has a bad hair day, like I said last week. Proverbs 26 verse 2 says, Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. Amen? In other words, if, a, if, if there's no reason for a curse to come, it can't come. Is that right? That's why we need to walk in the Torah of God. Here's today's English version says it this way. Curses cannot hurt you unless you deserve them. They are like, a, they are like birds that fly by and never light. You want to know why, why it's such a blessing to know the Torah, have it written on the... That's the New Testament model, is that right? New Covenant model? Write the Torah on the heart and on the mind? Amen? It's not a different Torah. It's the Torah of God. The Torah that we study here at the Harvard. The Torah that a lot of you study. Is that, is that when we walk in the Torah, guess what? Curses can't come on us. They can't. Or God's a liar, one of the two. How many of you know not, God's not a liar? That's exactly right. Hallelujah. So let's look at the financial system of America and the world. This is the same world, worldwide. I'm using America's because it's closest to home. Every financial system is made up of an economic system, a monetary system, and an investment system. The economic system conducts trade and commerce. The investment system creates investment opportunities. But what drives both of them? The monetary system that mints and regulates money supply. Without money, the economy doesn't run. And without money, you don't have, you don't have money for investments. Is that right? In other words, money makes the world go round because money drives everything. Money is the answer to all things. Is that right? That's what Ecclesiastes says. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Ooh, man. That's a fine line, isn't it? Hopefully by the end of today, that spine line will be as wide as the Grand Canyon for you. And you will be able to peer into this world financial system. And any love of money that you may have will be dealt with here today. Or at least begun with. 
Because the love of money is the root of all evil. and We need to overcome that. So the monetary system must be righteous. Or in the end, it fails. God commands us to use uh, honest scales with honest weights. Proverbs 11.1 A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Is God interested in, in, in the, in the uh, 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 scales, the honest scales? And we must understand, whenever Scripture speaks about weights and measures and scales, it is, is always referring to the monetary system. It's the exchange. And I go into that. I don't have time today, but I go into that in the Money and Wealth series, especially in the four-hour DVD video that we have on it. Another passage of Scripture, Proverbs 16, 11, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Is that right? Yeah. A just balance and scales belong to the Lord. All the weights. Everybody say all the weights. All the weights of the bag are His concern. Then we go to Deuteronomy 25. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing weights, a large and a small. In other words, dishonest merchants and people that traded dishonestly had two sets of weight, a large weight and a small weight. You shall have a full and just weight. You shall have a full and just measure that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Here's how dishonest weights and measures worked in ancient times. Because if we don't understand this, then we never understand our current financial system and why it goes like this. And why one minute real estate prices are up here and the next minute they're down here. The one minute the NASDAQ is at 5,000, the next minute it's at 2,500. How many of you know those types of losses are not, those, that wealth is lost is not real wealth. It's not righteous wealth because real righteous wealth is enduring and it isn't here one minute and here the next. It's an unrighteous wealth. And in the last days, that whole unrighteous wealth system collapses. And if we buy at the top of the market, guess what? You can pray the prayer of Jabez all you want. It's not going to change the, your financial collapse. For those of you who use the prayer of Jabez for a <sighs> chant, repent. Hallelujah. All right. So here's how it works. I'm going to be the bad guy all day long. I'm a dishonest merchant in the marketplace. And let's say, for example, Pastor Michael is a, he's a farmer and he comes out, comes into town and he wants to sell me 50 pounds a week. I go to my heavy weights. I pull out a heavy weight that says 50 pounds on the outside, but it only weighs 40 pounds or excuse me, it weighs 60 pounds. So that when I weigh the wheat out, I'm weighing out 60 pounds of wheat, but what am I going to pay him for? 50 pounds. What I've done is I've multiplied to myself wealth. I've created wealth out of nothing through the use of dishonest weights and measures. And I'm breaking the 8th, ninth, and 10th commandment. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not covet anything that's my brother's. Amen? How many of you know all sin goes back to the 10 commandments? All the other commandments in some form, fashion, or another, even, even, the, even the new ones that we consider new ones in the, in the in the uh, uh, in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Testament apostolic writings, you must understand they're not new. They go all the way back. Everything is based in the Torah. Hallelujah! Like it or not, that's the way that it is. So now what happens is Cheryl, she is a housewife. She's coming to the market. She's going to buy 50 pounds a week. So I take out my. I better choose somebody else. I don't want her mad at me. <laughs> Dawn, yeah, Dawn. Okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I, I have to go home yet tonight, yeah. So Don comes to the marketplace, 
And and she wants to buy 50 pounds of wheat, so I go to my lightweights and I put it up there. It says 50 pounds on the outside, but it only weighs 40 pounds. Now i got Pastor Mark to deal with. Oh, gosh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so when I weigh the wheat out, I weigh out 40 pounds, but what she's going to pay me for? Yeah, she's going to pay me for 50 pounds. This is called unjust gain. It's the Hebrew word tarberth, tarbeth. Is that how you pronounce it? Okay. And what it and what it refers to, what it's talking about, it it sometimes it's translated as usury or interest, but that's really not what it is. Interest is neshek from neshak. This is talking about unjust gain, and it means to progenerate, to create out of nothing, and it implies the unrighteous sleight of hand. Would you say that this qualifies for an unrighteous sleight of hand that transfers wealth from the righteous to the unrighteous? Amen? Hallelujah. Using dishonest weights, going back and looking at Israel, using dishonest weights played a major role in Israel's overthrow. Isaiah 1, verse 21 says, How the faithful city has become a harlot. She who is full of justice, righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. What they used to do was they used to bring in the silver, melt it down, put a dross metal in it, and then recoin the silver. And then when they put the silver up there, because the silver was the actual weight, you put so much silver up there and, and you weighed out your food over here. Guess what? That dross metal caused it to be lighter. So you had to put up more silver, more money, in order to get the same amount of goods and services. What's that called? Inflation. Through the debauching of the currency. You, you minted more money, but it bought a smaller bushel. Does everybody understand? Just how many of you know nothing changes? And it doesn't change. It just comes in a different package. That's why we need God's Torah to help guide us through these last days or we just aren't going to make it. Your silver has become dross. Your drink diluted with waters. Look at this, verse 23. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. Wow, does that sound like Washington, D.C. or what? Hallelujah. But it's true in every country of the world. I travel a lot. First thing I do is pick up the newspaper to see what's going on. And in every country of the world, there's always some sort of scandal going on, even in our beloved Israel. Today, and I, and I document in the book how this has repeated throughout history, but today, the dishonest weights and measures system is fractional reserve banking, commercial banking, and here's how it works. Pastor Mark has a good year. Every bank is like any other corporation. It has assets, it has liabilities, and it has net worth. Assets of a bank are cash and reserves, loans, and investments. Liabilities are deposit because when you make a deposit in a bank, you are not a depositor. They call you a depositor. You are actually a lender to that bank. You've loaned them your money, and they're even paying you interest on top of it. Is that right? Yeah, it's a loan. How many of you checked the bank out before you loaned them, made them that loan? Anybody? Yeah, not very many of us. You know why? It's because the beast system has developed an aura, a, a thing about bring your money unto me, and I'll take care of it, and I'll take care of you. Just give it to me and trust me. And and I'll make sure that it's okay. How many of you know the world is not your friend? It's not. The world is the world is the world. And the world is passing away. And we've got to understand that. And so Pastor Mark has a really good year. He makes $100,000, clears it net. And he's a tither, so don't worry about it. Hallelujah. And the elders are going, yes. He doesn't make $100,000 a year. Okay, yes. I just wanted to clarify that. 
That would be a real good year. Yeah, that would, that would be a real good year. And and if you're a member of the harvest, you know that because he is one of this this church is one of the few that actually with your with your membership at the end of the year when you get your statement of what you gave, you also get a financial statement and his salary is listed right on there. How many of you know not very many pastors do that? Yeah. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. So he deposits a hundred thousand dollars in my bank, and I and I and I make a I make an entry for a hundred thousand dollars on the on the liability side or the credit side of the ledger, and I make a corresponding entry on the asset side of the ledger on the debit side of the ledger for a hundred thousand dollars. And at the end of the day, everything balances out a hundred thousand dollars on each side. That's what these scales are about. But because in fractional reserve banking or commercial banking, I only have to keep ten percent or ten thousand dollars in cash and reserves. I can put that $10,000 in cash and reserves, and I can loan the other $90,000 out to someone. Let's say Ken comes in, wants to borrow $90,000. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna debit loans. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write out a loan saying I'm gonna loan Ken $90,000, and then I'm gonna take that $90,000 and I'm gonna put it where? I'm gonna deposit it in an account in his name on the liability side of the ledger. It's a new deposit. Boom! There you go. It's nothing more than a ledger book entry. Now, on the right side of the ledger, look at how that's $90,000 heavy. So what do I have to do? I have to make a corresponding ledger book entry on the debit side in cash and reserves of $90,000. Did you see it? The magic of fractional reserve banking. How many of you know you can't do this on your books? All of you guys who have businesses, you can't. if you tried this on your books, you'd go to jail. Is that right? But with fractional reserve banking, law says that they can create money in the form of debt or loans. And then when that money gets deposited into your account, the debt now becomes money. And what I've done is I've created $90,000 of brand new money in the form of debt without any additional uh, deposits. We call that people who are opponents of that type of of banking, which I'm an opponent of that. How many of you believe that I'm an opponent of that? Yeah. We call that PFA banking, plucked from air. Because that's literally what takes place. It is the same principle of the dishonest weights and measures that goes all the way back to ancient times. And in the book Money and Wealth in the New Millennium, I show you how it goes all the way back to the garden because that's what Lucifer was 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 guilty of. That's why he fell, because of the abundance of his unrighteous trade. Pride came after that. And that's why the love of money is the root of all evil. Hallelujah. I'm about to preach myself happy. I only have to keep 10% or $9,000. I can loan the other $81,000 out. I deposit it over here on, in, in whosoever account who's borrowing it. It gets added into the asset account and on and on and on and on and on. Commercial banking, hear this, commercial banking is the heart of commercial Babylon. Commercial banking is the heart of commercial Babylon. Why? Because commercial Babylon feeds the original sin of mankind. And that is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Because what debt does is debt allows us to go and borrow the money to buy whatever we want. And we have this image of prosperity, but the truth is we're in bondage to the bankers. Does everybody understand that? We have an image. We, I got this brand new card. Man, I'm looking good. 
The truth is, honey, I don't own it. The bank does. And I'm his slave. And the interest that I'm paying on the money makes me a slave to the mammon. I'm a slave to the banker for the money I borrowed, and I'm a slave to the mammon because I have to pay interest on it. I think somebody by the name of Yeshua said you can't serve God and mammon. I didn't say it. Our Lord said it. Our Messiah said it. How many of you still love me? Oh, I lost about half of them, Pastor. <laughs> I'm on track. That's right. Before it's over with, I'll have about four people. No. <laughs> Sir Josiah Stamp, the original, he's the founding president of the Bank of England. He said this. This process, talking about fractional reserve banking and lending, this process is perhaps the most astounding piece of sleight of hand ever invented. Banking was conceived in iniquity and born in sin. The bankers own the earth. Take it away from them, but leave them the power to create deposits. And with a flick of a pen, they will create enough deposits to buy the earth back again. What a deal! And I can, I, I see some of you right now. I just sense in the spirit. I know there's some of you thinking, boy, Monday morning, I'm going to go down to the bank and lay my hands on my banker. Don't you dare. Although this is an unrighteous system, you didn't have to go borrow the money. Do you hear me? And most of your regular bankers, like the bankers at the branch bank you bank at, they have no concept of what they're doing. They just get a little book from the Federal Reserve, and it's, you know, one, two, three, step one, two, three. This is how you do it. They don't understand it. But if you are a banker in here today, now you know, and you're responsible. Don't you just love me? Somebody came up and handed this to me today. It's a picture. It's a cartoon. And the, the devil and this guy are standing there, and the devil's got this piece of paper, and and, he's, and he says, sign this, and worldly goods are yours for the taking. And the guy's about ready to sign it, and on the paper it says, credit card agreement, excessive rates, predatory fees. <laughs> and I'd like to add subprime lending, margined investing, all of this. You must understand, it's just the financial side of commercial Babylon, of the Babylonian system of the last days, of mystery Babylon itself. Fractional reserve banking multiplies money out of nothing. With a reserve requirement of 10%, which is the average in the United States, that $100,000, that original $100,000 deposit that Pastor Mark deposited, I can multiply 10 times into $1 million of ledger book debt and credit. Who wouldn't want to be a banker? <laughs> yes, we have an altar call for all of those. <laughs> debt is loaned into existence as money when deposited into the borrower's account. The debt that's created in the form of a loan, when that money is put into your account, that debt becomes money. What does that mean? That means that all money is debt. Everybody say, all money is debt. You say, no, Norm, that can't be. Yes, Norm, it is. All money is debt. Look at the American dollar. And this is true on every, on every currency around the world, but America specifically lays it out. This is how it works. Right here it says one dollar. Is that right? But this is not the technical or the legal term for this. The legal term is right here. What is that? Federal Reserve Note. What is a note? It's a, it's a loan. It's an IOU. And notes, anybody who's done a note knows that a note says you owe this much for this long at this interest rate payable this way. Does this say, does, does this lay that out? No. What does that mean? <laughs> Pastor, don't beat around the bush. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> 
I didn't know if he was going to love me or hate me when he got this revelation, but I know that he and Don went to their knees. <laughs> he hated me for a while. He almost excommunicated me, but I talked him out of it. The bottom line is this, folks. <laughs> the bottom line is this, is that it's a Federal Reserve note, and because it doesn't say it owes you anything, it's an I owe you nothing. And when we go to the global currency, it'll be a who owes you nothing because you don't know who it is that owes you nothing. Well, welcome to the New World Order. Welcome to Mystery Babylon. We are in the last days. And we've got to get a handle on this because if we don't, whether you're saved or not, isn't going to make any difference when this thing comes crashing down. If you're of that system, you'll be wiped out financially along with everybody. And what a testimony that is. Oh, yes, God speaks to me. These guys walking around, God speaks to me all the time. Well, God speaks to me too. And when they would say, well, God speaks to me all the time, I'd say, well, what does he say about dishonest weights and measures? Well, you said God speaks to you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of spirits out there speaking, folks, and not, a, not, a, not all of them that come in the name of Yahweh or in the name of Yeshua are, are Yahweh or Yeshua. How many of you know that? Amen. Hallelujah. The only thing that gives us any power is right here. It says, this note or this debt, because a note is a debt, right? So it says, this debt is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Guess what? In a debt-based system like we have now, we pay our debts with debt. It's a debt-based system that cannot continue. There is a time when that system completely and totally crashes. And I want you to understand, it's not very far down the road. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but I tell you this, there's going to be some heavy-duty shakings that are going to take place. I hope I have time to get into some of that today. Debt makes the world go round. But I thought money made the world go round. Well, it does, but because all money is debt, it's actually debt that makes the world go round, isn't it? Please hear me. Debt is the mother's milk of the world financial system. Without debt, it collapses. That's why whether you file bankruptcy or not, in fact, if you file bankruptcy, you can just count on it. The next week after it clears, you're going to get a hundred of these things saying, you're pre-approved, come and borrow some more money. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Those of you who went bankrupt, I've had people say, I went bankrupt, and now they're trying to get me to borrow more money to buy another house. That's right, because the world system is alive. It's a beast. And if it doesn't have money, which is debt, it dies. So it's always continually conjuring up ways to get you sucked in so that you'll borrow to feed your flesh. And so, But it also feeds the beast system. But the problem is we become slaves to the lender. When Antichrist comes, you, I'm just hot today, Pastor Mark. When Antichrist comes, you know, people think, well, he's going to do all this, this, this intrigue and so on and so forth, that he's going to take over, and that's true. But one of the reasons why he's going to take over is because nobody owns everything. They're all slaves to the system, and all he has to do is come and take charge of the system. That's how it's going to work. He's going to own you legally, just like the people in Egypt were owned because they sold themselves to Egypt. That's how, that's how Israel became slaves. They had to sell themselves to eat because the borrower is slave to the lender. How many of you getting a handle on that passage of Scripture finally? Yes, hallelujah. All right, so I'm going to do this really fast because I'm running out of time. That makes the world go round. Fractional Reserve Banking is creating all this money or debt out of nothing and loaning it out into the economy. And it gets spent in the economy. It gins the economy up. Pays the workforce. And when you get paid, where do you put your money? In the bank, of course. Automatic deposit. Hallelujah. You don't even have to worry about it. You don't even have to worry about getting to the bank on Friday after work. Drive to the bank. The 
it's automatically there. Now, now I want to cl- I want to clarify. I'm not saying go down and take your money out of the bank. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not saying that. We ha- we have to pay our bills. Is that right? Law of the land says that legal tender are Federal Reserve notes. So we have to pay our bills using the, the, the tender of the land. That's being in the world. Being of the world is when you go to the bank and say, conjure up some, some of those Federal Reserve notes for me out of nothing. Put me in slavery to you and to the money so I can go and buy what I want. That's being of the world. Does everybody understand the difference? Jesus talked about being in the world without being of the world. Is that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Just want to clarify that. And everything over and above the reserve requirement is can be multiplied ten times into more ledger book debt and credit. But not everybody puts their money into the bank. Where else do they put it? Investment securities. Think about the term securities. Yeah, yeah, designed to make you feel secure. How many of you are secure in your Enron stock? If you still got it, it ain't coming back. Amen. Love me or hate me, folks. This is the way it is. And what happens is through futures and options allow you to borrow money to buy investment securities. Just like borrowing money to buy into the economy creates inflation in the economy, borrowing money to buy investments creates inflation in investments that can pop like that. Oh, get ready, it's coming. Futures and options also allow you to do derivatives. And I go into this on the, on the tape and I don't have time. Derivatives is just a, highly, a form of high leverage, 10 to 40 times. And, of course, all of that debt has to be what? Interest paid on it. Is that right? And who does that interest usually pay to in large? Fractional Reserve Banking System. And everything over and above the reserve requirement can be multiplied back into the economy, the investments, or derivatives. It's a great, we call this the debt matrix. (laughs) Remember the matrix? They're in this bondage. They're in this gooey stuff. But they're put to sleep, and they're and they're given like a dream, whatever they want, you know, this luxurious lifestyle. But the truth is, they're in bondage. And the bottom line is, folks, is the debt matrix, the reality of what we are in, is already hitting some of you, and it's going to get worse in the days ahead. This process has created the largest debt bubble in world history, right now in the United States, and this is the United States only. Thirty-three trillion dollars of debt, roughly six point seven trillion dollars of M2 money supply, which means there's twenty-six point three trillion dollars of debt that we, that cannot be paid back because it isn't there. There's no money to pay it back. This is the financial side of the beast system or mystery Babylon. Globalists use fractional reserve debt to secretly control the nation. Carol Quigley, he's an academic insider, a globalist in academia. He said this. In time, they, talking about the financial elite, brought into their financial network a a provincial banking centers organized as commercial banks and savings and loan banks. Savings banks, they went by the wayside. They were all merged into commercial banks, as well as insurance companies to form all of these into a single financial system on an international scale, which manipulated the quantity and flow of money so that they were able to influence, if not control, governments on one side and industry on the other. Please understand, this is not a happenstance. This was something that was contrived and planned. He goes on to say, in addition to these pragmatic goals, the powers of the financial capitalism had another far-reaching aim, nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. You must understand, this is an insider. This is a globalist who wrote in his book, Tragedy and Hope, 
He laid everything out. I think I think he was anointed of God myself so that we would understand that this is true. And in the book, Money and Wealth in the New Millennium, I show you where this is at in Scripture. I just don't have time to do it today. Globalists understand and apply eternal tr- and eternal truth regarding money. And they do it very well. And that eternal truth is this. Gold is the money of king. Silver is the money of gentlemen. Barter is the money of peasants. But debt is the money of slaves. Good question, Pastor Mark. Which one are you? This is the ultimate fulfillment of Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. How many of you got, how many of you know that God said that? He didn't say that just to say it. He said it because He loves us and He doesn't want to be, He doesn't want us to be slaves because Jesus came to set us free. Not just free from the sins of the past, but to walk free from anything that would hinder us from coming into that relationship with His Father, Yahweh. Amen? And you cannot serve God and mammon. How many of you still love me? Uh, still only about half. you got to love me or you won't go to heaven. How many of you still love me now? Okay, there's a few more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Globalists use dishonest scales to overthrow society. I'm going to go through this very, very fast. I do it in more detail on the, on the, on the video. John Maynard Keynes says this, and he is, the, he is the father of this current system that we have. There's no subtler way, no surer means of overthrowing the existing bases of society than to debauch the currency. That's what we've been talking about. The process engages all the hidden forces of economic law on the side of destruction and does it in a manner which not one man in a million is able to diagnose. I want to tell you, we've diagnosed it here today. Does everybody understand that? If you understand what I'm talking about here today, and the thing that's really cool about this is it's from a biblical perspective. That means nothing passes away. It's truth. Is that if you understand what I'm talking about here, you really you understand more how the system really works than most graduate economists. I've had guys who have PhDs, MBAs, PhDs, and so on and so forth come to me after the after the seminar, reading the book, say it's the first time I've ever really understood the system. You know why? Because my mind's not all cluttered with all that pile higher and deeper stuff. You know, you get your BA, you're born again. I'm born again. Get your MS, that means more of the same. Get your BS. No, it doesn't mean that. It means baptized in the Spirit. And your Ph.D., past having doubt. Because I am past having doubt in God's Word. Amen? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. He's worthy. Let's diagnose real quick the overthrow of society. Fractional reserve banking debauches or devalues the currency. This causes inflation in the economy. This causes an artificial rise in investment prices as well. So you have inflation in the economy as well as the investment world. Creates a debt bubble that ultimately collapses. Investment values collapse. That's a devaluation. That's what's happening in real estate right now. Wages are depressed. Oh, man, is that true? How many understand real wages is not keeping up with inflation? Real wages are being under pressure. So, so what we have is we have a monetary system that causes higher prices, and the depression of wages. Where is that in Scripture? Is it, does that sound like today, and where is that in Scripture? Good question. I'm so glad you asked. John, in the book of Revelation, verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 5 says, And when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come! And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a what? pair of scales in his hand. What do scales represent? The monetary system. This is not talking about famine. What do scales do? Another good question. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, 
and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. A quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius represented a day's wages. Some of your Bibles even say day's wages. Has a has a little asterisk and then down at the bottom it says day's wages. That's what it represented. And three quarts of barley for a, de, for, for a denarius. A quart of wheat is roughly 2,000 calories. Guess how much it takes to survive? How, how much it takes to, to, to meet your needs physically? About 2,000 calories. Is that right? Yeah. Some of us are a little bit over that. My wife's working on that one with me. Keep keep it up, honey. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come around. The black horse does not mention famine. Scales and denarius are the weights represent the monetary system of the last days, and the and what it represents is the end time monetary system that uses dishonest scales in such a way that it causes people to have to work all day just to meet their need. Is this happening? Yeah. 1994 UN report. About 900 million people in Asia, from Fiji to the south of Mon- uh, in the south to Mongolia and the north, and as, and as far west as Kazakhstan, live on less than one dollar per day. No unions there. Twice as many as the rest of the developing world. Almost two billion Asians live on less than two dollars per day. I'd say that's manifesting. Amen. And you say, well, that could never happen in America. That's part of the American arrogance is that it can't happen here. And I want to submit to you, it is happening here. Many people are working all day just to meet their needs, i.e. pay their bills. Don't raise your hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Work all day, six days a week, to pay your bills. There's no savings. Is that true? Net national savings in the United States hit zero like six or seven months ago. Today it's below zero. What does that mean? That means people are borrowing money to have to survive. They can't meet their payments. They're losing their houses and on and on and on. Oh, I got to go. Many are using the dishonest scales of the debt-based paper monetary system to pay their bills. In other words, they have become slaves to the beast. Don't raise your hands. I'm praying for you. So is Jesus. Some of you heard this message before and you didn't move them. Now you're eating and you're reaping that which you've sown. Some of you are hearing this for the, some of you heard it. And man, you turned around and started coming out, and God's been moving with you, and you feel so much better because you're coming out of debt. Some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard this. You're going like, what in the world? Why didn't my pastor tell me about that? If you go to the harvest, you know you, you know that I've ministered this here for, for years, three years, going on four years. Okay, hallelujah. Pastor Mar, I tell you, the harvest is a great place to go because they deal with relevant issues of the day. Hallelujah. Okay, so the next thing in diagnosing the overthrow of society is debtors are forced into bankruptcy. Record-setting bankruptcies every month. Okay, What happens after that? Lenders foreclose on the debt and confiscate the assets. Individuals, corporations, and nations. In the end, society, this overturns the existing basis of society, and it forces the acceptance of a new world order. Now, I am, I've got like two minutes. So I'm going to stop there, and I want to say this. There's always two things that are present in the overthrow of society. One is financial crises, and the other one is war. Going all the way back to Nimrod's Babylon, financial crises and war were key to the overthrow of the existing basis of society. Going all the way back to World War I, we had financial crises followed by World War I, followed by the League of Nations, which was the first modern-day attempt by the globalists at Nimrod Antichrist spirit to create world government. Ten years of prosperity to 1929, a collapse of the financial system, and World War II. 
Out the backside of World War II came the UN system, and that was the, that was the Bretton Woods Agreement, and that was John Maynard Keynes. That system is broke. So what was the last election about? War and the economy. What's the next election going to be about? War and the economy. Because on the backside of the collapse of this system is coming Mystery Babylon. That demonic blend of economics, politics, and religion. And that's why in the past the church has transitioned with each one of those overturnings. But God is saying no now. He's not letting us do it the way we have in the past. How many of you know all the formulas that you used in the past that worked? Ain't working anymore. It's because God is saying, no, son, no, daughter, I love you too much to let you transition into the beast system. Because I don't want you to be standing in line getting the mark because you be, you're a slave to that system. And what he says in Revelation 18.4 is, come out of her, my people. But we can't come out of that which we don't know. So that takes us to Passover. How many of you know we're in the season? We need, we need to be like the sons of Issachar, is that right? Sons of Issachar understood the times and they had knowledge of what to do. They understood the political times, and every one of them moved with David when it was time to change from Saul to David. All the other tribes, some went with David, some went with Saul, some picked their nose, they didn't know which way to go. But the sons of Issachar understood the time. They also understood the appointed times of the Lord, the feast. And the Passover is a time of judgment and mercy. Judgment came on Egypt. How many of you know there was two years of judgments coming on Egypt? Roughly about two years. Trying to get Egypt to repent and turn around. Is that right? You must understand that was that was God's judgment, but it was also a little bit of mercy. Repent. Every time there was a time of, of judgment, there was a time of mercy. Is Egypt didn't repent, so God sent a prophet and said, Repent or else. Sometimes Pharaoh would repent, but he said, ah, forget it. I know what I want, I want it when I want it, and I want it now. So God sent in their judgment. We must understand coming into the Passover season, what is it a time of? We go home and we clean out what out of our house? The leaven, we clean the leaven out of our house. What does that represent? Represents sin. Now is a time to start cleaning the leaven out in this area. For some of you, this is the last chance. You need to hear that. You got, those of you who are there know who I'm talking to. And I'll tell you this, and Pastor Mark will back me up, is that if you will turn and start to come out of this thing, God will work with you. Isaiah says that he will go before you, come out of that unclean thing. You won't come out in haste, and you won't come out with a plan, because I'm going to go before you, and I'll be your rear guard. It's a direct reference to when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. There's a time to live in Egypt. God took Israel down to Egypt one time, let them live there and let them prosper. But if you stay in Egypt too long, what ultimately happens? You become a what? A slave. And then there's a time when God says, come out of Egypt, but we have to get up off of our dust. We have to move away from the slave pit, and we have to move into a new land. And the first thing that he did was he took them out of Egypt, and he took them where? He took them to Sinai, and he gave them the commandments. And he said, if you will walk in my commandments, you will be a lender to the nations, and you will not borrow. And I just want to submit to you, if you are in a place where you're having to borrow to make it happen or to feed your own lust, I want to submit to you, you're not doing it God's way. And there's a curse knocking at your door if it hasn't already come in. But what does God say? It's real easy. Even though His judgments are at hand, He also has His hand outstretched, saying, come to me and repent, and I'll make you whole. 
I'll bring you into your promised land. I'll protect you from the snare of the fowler if you will but love me enough to do it my way. Amen? That's what God's calling us to do. Our foundation is built on solid rock. Yes, you are. The rock of our salvation on Solace Radio.